So how's your new milk? That was an awful way to segue into that. I figured out, dear <laughs> listeners, that you can buy the fancy bottled milk with the milk, milk deposit. And as long as you pay two fifty up front, it's cheaper than regular milk. That's how my milk is, Matt. Uh. Yeah, I'm paying two thirty nine a gallon for the fancy milk, whereas the regular default milk is like two eighty nine a gallon. Now, when you listen to this in five years after the great dairy wars and milk is seven like fifty <laughs> a gallon, you'll be like, Wow, these losers, they didn't know how good they got it. But I'd like to point out I don't drink that much milk, okay? I'm not an elitist. Then you do drink that much milk. I, I get a half a gallon a week. I use it for cooking, too. I, I remember you telling me the story of you being on a gallon a week. Yes, I've cut back, okay? <laughs> I've cut back because I, I have a job. <laughs> I, I, I can't bring a gallon of milk into the freaking office. Why not? Because I'll get judged. Can you imagine if I'm the guy who's like... Yeah, look at this asshole over here drinking a gallon of milk. Don't they allow you to get absolutely plastered at your work? Yeah, yeah I can drink beer. You can bring okay, beer okay, to okay, okay. But there's a certain st- look. If I were to crack open a cold Bud Light right now, neither one of you would think anything of it. But if I were to take in a gallon of milk and just start drinking it, you would be like, "What the <laughs> hell is this weirdo doing?" Right? There's a stigma amongst like no, if you no, drink no, no, milk. No, the stigma is not about. It's the amount. At yeah. a time. If you brought in a whole gallon, it'd be weird. But if you brought in like a bottle. If I brought in a gallon of water, nobody would think twice. Well, They'd be like, they, yeah, they you're would just think that's weird. What's weird about drinking a gallon of water? What are you, a football player? I, I, I also uh, drink a lot of water during the day, but I was just given a very large cup by my job. So I Did just I use that. I need to introduce myself. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, welcome to the Cleocast. My name is Matt. I'm RC. And we have a guest. Yes, I'm Kelly. In a reoccurring appearance, last seen on the episode about Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark, called Too Big to Fail. Kelly is our theater expert, and we have her on because, frankly... Expert in quotation marks. Expert in quotation marks, (laughs) frankly, because we have nothing else to really talk about. I know more than you guys about theater, and that makes me an expert. (laughs) Yes, it does. You also... Did get a degree in it. I got a yes, minor in theater. True. Oh, hell yeah. I have a minor that's in theater. <laughs> that's true, but you have a minor. I have a major. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, this episode is brought to you by... Us. Us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, donate to IATSE. If you can spell it. it it's not Yahtzee. It's IATSE. Yeah, support your local unions, especially yeah. when they're no longer striking, uh, and go to shows if it is safe in your area. This podcast is not union-made. No, we don't have a podcaster union, We don't sadly. have a podcast union. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. No. You know who should have a union? Who? VFX artists. VFX artists. I assume that's in reference to Marvel announcing this. Did you see this, Matt? Marvel no. announcing their oh schedule. Gosh, you hadn't There's seen gonna it? be an Avengers movie, and then three months later, another Avengers movie coming out. Which means that the the visual effects artists who are already overworked and underpaid and you know like crunch constantly are gonna have to do two gigantic blockbusters like literally back to back. Plus, they get shit on whenever the movie's bad. 
I did see that uh, stuff for Thor: Love and Thunder. About yeah, where Taikia White. Waititi was yeah. just like, oh, the CF, the VFX is so bad in this movie. And it's like, dude, my brother in Christ, you overworked the artists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Like, the the people, the actors in the Cats movie, when they were shitting on the VFX, it's like, shut up. You decided to be on that movie. That's disgusting. <laughs> I don't blame the VFX people. It's, like, it's incredible how... I, I blame upper management for green lighting that entire shit show. Yeah, it's incredible to me how you have just such a reaction to unions in this day and age to where even industries where it makes 120, where they're exploited, they have everything to gain by unionizing, but there's such a stigma where, like the VFX artists, right? Yeah. If, you know, the daily slew of Marvel content that, like, just, like, inundates our society stopped if that faucet was turned off our society would just completely cease to function like Except not really but no 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 people I'm, act like it yeah 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 and it's just like, like so like you have all the cards as an artist if you can just get your studio to stop and just get the other studio to stop you got disney by the balls right there where it's just like what are they gonna do because everything there's no practical effects anymore everything is vfx so you hold the entire movie industry by the balls and it's skilled enough labor to where you can't just get some scab off the street and you know teach them how to work a factory line it's like hey that's actually like somewhat difficult work it does take a little bit of artistic vision to be able to do those kinds of effects so i I just find it incredible how they haven't unionized to this point because it would theoretically be so easy yeah but have you seen those um the Amazon ads that talk about like you you think you know Amazon but you don't it actually is great to work here and it's like it's a guy I, standing wow. in a toilet being like see we have uh we have these it's we have these they, we have like flexible hours and shit and do, it's like it, do it, you don't talk about the fact that uh you aren't allowed to have your phone Amazon has a uh, pretty uh constant habit of you know, locking people inside semis because they like they're rushing so quickly that people will get locked inside a semi truck and God. they don't have their phone because you're not allowed to bring your phone onto oh, the, no. the warehouse floor. Uh, also, Amazon is cycling through so many people. Oh yeah, they're running out of people. Oh, yeah, 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 because they, that it, article was great. They've I cycled through that. almost the entire U.S. population. That's uh, a of age to work, be willing to work at an Amazon plant, and C hasn't already been fired from an Amazon plant or laid <laughs> off, yeah, or or did like hasn't just completely rage quit. See, if I were Amazon, I would simply have an infinite population to grab from. Yes, I think that uh, them buying Roomba. Wait, they bought. You, Roomba? Yeah, you, did you hear about that? No. I think it was today on the day we recorded this. Where I'm not going to say, so you don't know. Uh, what they recorded this, but uh, the, yeah, they bought a Roomba apparently, like iRobot. Yeah, <laughs> which I the article headline I saw was it describing it as like the worst security thing since Amazon bought Ring doorbells because what? now they have little robots and the Roombas map out your house oh. so that they can pathfind better. So they go around, they so bump Amazon on the walls. Amazon is becoming scarier and scarier. And Amazon already provides the Ring doorbell data to police uh, if they ask for it, and now police can ask. Hey, Amazon, you have a map of this suspect's house. Yeah. Oh. Can we please have that when we, uh, you know. Or, or also you tapping your own house with a Amazon Echo. Mm-hmm. Amazon Echo mm. that listens. 
was proven in court to listen at all times, even when they claimed it wasn't, because it literally wouldn't function when you're like, hey, Alexa. Yeah. Because it has to be listening at all times. Right, exactly. Is it Echo or Alexa? Alexa is the voice assistant. The Amazon Echo Echo is the device. Okay. It's like I have a Windows PC that has Cortana. I have an iPhone that has Siri. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I get schooled. I have an Android (laughs) that has Google. Hey, Google. No, you don't say, hey, Google. Google. You say, okay, cool, cool. (laughs) Shit, it didn't work. Yeah, whatever. Sometimes if you say, okay, cool, cool, it'll activate, okay, Google. Google. Because it did, sounds similar. Okay. Did you see, I saw this on Twitter because uh, instead of reading Wikipedia, we read Twitter. Did either of you see the post uh, of a guy who's doing a Tesla test where he had a Porsche, I think, or a Toyota. It was a Toyota with like the LiDAR system and like a little doll of a child. And it yeah. was like running, you know, okay, we're going to max it at speed. And the automatic safety system stopped it right before and the kid was saved. Yeah. And the Tesla system where it goes up to top speed and just like completely obliterates the doll. (laughs) Doesn't slow down at all. Hell yeah. And then all the Tesla fanboys and the replies like, uh, uh, actually it just knew it wasn't a real kid. Does anyone have a child I can borrow? Yes, yes. It was exactly that. It was from that video where someone was like, uh, no, if it's a real kid, the Tesla will know. Because it knew it was a doll, so it knew, hey, we don't have to stop. And it was like, well, if there's a cardboard cut out of a kid, your Tesla will be stopping. So they programmed it to know better. And it's like, no, dude, it just doesn't stop. Yeah. It can't tell there's a person there. Yeah. It, it's almost like the uh, epic meme guy from Twitter isn't very good at running a car company, especially when, you know, it's, came, it's come out that he people in Tesla claim that there's a certain part of the factory referred to as the plantation in which they have all the black workers go to. What? Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. Who yes. thought that a South African white guy might be racist? Oh, right. Like, uh, who could have guessed that? I forget that. that. I, I forget that he's not like American. Or uh, He wants you to. <laughs> or that there's a bunch of, there's way more safety violations and safety incidents in a Tesla factory than almost all American auto manufacturing factories across the United States combined. And because just absolute lack safety standards and high pressure to get a dude who ordered a model three, five years ago, his car already. Well, it's Um, cause it's cause yeah, they haven't met demand. They can't scale up to demand. Because like the Ford Motor Company, you know, they've just got gigantic factories. Right. So it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna do the F one fifty Lightning, and we're gonna do scaled demand. Where okay, mm-hmm. we're gonna release a hundred thousand pre orders of the F one fifty Lightning. We're gonna produce all hundred fifty or a hundred thousand pre orders of those, and then we're gonna release another wave because we know we've been producing cars for a hundred years. Yeah. You know, we can meet a hundred thousand demand by using our existing factories to scale up demand slowly. And then once we have production, it it's, will increase that. It's the Whereas same. Tesla just was like, everybody pre-order immediately. Give us your $500 pre-orders. 500,000 people pre-order. $500 per pre-order. Yeah. That's however many millions of dollars. Now we're going to build the factory. Factory's still not done. They were building them in a field for a bit to meet demand. Oh, so they, they got 500,000 pre-orders. They've made like I think like maybe a hundred thousand of them. Yeah, and and you got all these people who are like, hey, uh, I you know want I I want this car, and, and they keep jacking up the price. Yeah, and and if you ordered a base model three, you didn't get it because the, you got prioritized if you got options. So the only way you were gonna get your model three and the model three came out 
was by just choosing every option at that point why would you just not buy a model s instead which the whole point of the model 3 was for it to be the thirty thousand dollar people's car right yeah. oops which it is now a i believe forty five thousand dollar base model yeah which they'll tell you well with the tax credits that brings it down to 35 which i think the tax credits are going away i did see i think about that with that. the new Packed whatever act, not the pack deck. That's one for the veterans. But the inflation reduction, they passed new tax credits. I think for EVs, I think it's seventy five hundred, but only like if the battery or like a certain amount of the parts are produced in the U.S. Which I think Tesla does actually meet. Because I, I I heard this on the radio this morning. They were talking like like Ford, they produce a lot of the F one fifties like in Kansas City, but. The batteries are produced by like Samsung, I think, or Panasonic or something, oh. which are technically produced in like Korea or wherever yeah. or China. Yeah. So they they don't quite meet the whole. Samsung is a Japanese company. Samsung's, Samsung's Korean. Korean. Oh. Sony's Japanese. Sony. Okay. Yeah, Sony. Yeah, I got them mixed but, up. Yeah. But in so. with, with EV, a lot of like I'm, the Lightning bodies and the new electric transit bodies are very similar to the bodies of the gasoline models so you don't need a brand new body to do it well it's like it's like that exactly that they have the existing infrastructure having been produced and i'm not like a you know old guard whatever it's just a you're beginning to see the reason why ford volkswagen gm have been around for so long it's because they have the inertia they have the infrastructure Tesla's done incredible things with just how many cars they've been able to build and been able to do that. But then I'm running to the issue of, hey, the Ford Motor Company produces like millions of cars per year, not like struggling to meet 500,000. So the second they put their attention on electric cars uh, or, or you know, everyone's barrel barreling down at them now. Yeah. And hey, even like BMW, Kia. I mean, it's it's like Tesla's not really that like. Yo, unique what, what, what's that like iconic the ionic yeah ionic. Hyundai. Yeah. yeah that that looks very nice and oh, it seems hyundai has just like been incredible with their design yeah. i'm trying now that you've said that it's like wow we really are like even if public perception shifted towards not car cult- culture god we make a lot of cars yeah yeah <laughs> we, we produce how many cars does Jim produce a year? Because they're, they're the most in the U.S. Right? I have absolutely no idea. I think it's close to two million per year. Yeah. Close to? Because I know we've talked about like, you know, like, oh, what if like cities were less car focused and whatnot? And it's like, I don't know. America's too car focused to do that. I don't yeah. know. Well, yeah, I the, don't have the words the, for what I'm thinking. We have done a couple episodes kind of factor yeah. on that, yeah. But it, it is kind no. of a problem. Yeah, I but haven't listened to those episodes yet. You should. In, <laughs> in, instead of, you know, having your individual Teslas, what if we just, like, put the batteries somewhere else or a direct line from the power plants going to need a battery and then put all the Teslas together in a line? I, You know what I will <laughs> never understand is the people who, like, the batteries, you know? Like, we're going to build batteries to power, like you know like la or whatever you know there was a storm up it, it's like the the like 
you know, like liberals will literally do anything other than just building nuclear power plants. Yes. Like, let's build batteries, like gigantic city-sized batteries. And it's like, dude, you're the ones terrified. And I'm building like the biggest straw man I possibly can right now. But it's like yeah. coming from the people who are terrified of like a nuclear power plant exploding. What do you think is going to happen when you have like a five gigawatt battery explode? Because it's going to like that amount of energy stored up. <laughs> oh it's my God. You can't put those out with water, Jeez. right? Because like when a Tesla blows up, they can't put them out. What's going to happen when a city-sized battery infrastructure plant explodes? Like it's going to be a lot worse than like a nuclear power plant because yeah. you're going to have a fire you can't put out <laughs> burning. Yeah. But you don't have musicals about how a kid can throw themselves into a nuclear power plant and then turn into a zombie. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> Anyways, back to theater. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> so It's a musical called Zombie Prom. Zombie Prom. Basically, the whole idea, it, it's very campy and very, like, it plays off of things like Grease and stuff, like, parodies it a, a little bit. But basically, the story is a guy and a girl like each other, and then the guy, he's a bit of a punk and by punk i mean he drives a motorcycle and he wears a leather jacket and he's he spells, not like the other girls he spells his name johnny without an h so he's a rebel and so uh everybody in the girl's life is like you shouldn't date him he's a bad boy it's like he hasn't done anything so she breaks up with him and he's depressed and he's like how dare you you said forever and then he throws himself into the nearby nuclear power plant like uh, he's a radiation zombie. Well, yeah, no, he throws himself in, and so, then he so, so dies. He's a ghoul from Fallout. Yeah, he's a ghoul from Fallout. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly and then what they, he is. You know, he dies, and then Toffee mourns over him, like, "Oh man, Johnny, I miss you." Uh, and then I guess her love brings him back to life, and he comes back as a zombie. And then the whole show turns into a zombies deserves the right to go to school too, and it's like, hmm, hmm. huh. Okay, yeah. It's very, like, you, you know what the zombies are. You know what the zombie is a stand-in for. I don't need to explain it. We'll have to contact our legal department on the legality of just explaining the plot of an entire play on a... Oh, like, do we have to get the rights for it? No. <laughs> it's called a summary. That's so, fair. as our theater expert, yeah. and as this being a attempt at making a kind of local focus. We've spent 15 minutes on cars in our ostentatiously theater episode. Yes. Uh, can you please outline the state of the Kansas City area theater industry? <laughs> I don't think it's just Kansas City. I think it's the entire United States. Don't quote me on that, but... Generally, um, because of COVID, um, what I've heard and seen in the space is that a lot of talent is gone in terms of tech, the tech side. Like, e either COVID took it or people just, you know, I mean, they couldn't work during the pandemic. They found other things and then they just didn't go back. Like, you know, oh, like there's a lot of construction people, like uh, set construction guys who like went into like house construction and it's like, this pays better and I can rely on it. So why go back? Now you said COVID took it in reference to like the technicians. Do you mean like, like killed them or is that well, what you're talking about? There's some older talent that went. Yes. Uh. Like they, basically 
I've talked to a few people, and it's like, yeah, there's a lot of young blood, which with that, it's like, yeah, young people, but you've lost years of experience and talent. So the kind of institutional knowledge is kind of being lost. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, you know, it's it's hard getting, like, even with the young blood or whatever you want to call it, um, it's... <laughs> even they don't necessarily want to work for the prices and whatnot. Like, gig work sucks. Um, and there's, there used to be a really big attitude of like, yeah, that's what theater is. And we do it the because we love it. Theater is entirely gig work? Not entirely. Not entirely. But, I mean, sometimes it, it can be not I think a lot work. of the lower end, like entry level positions are mostly yeah. just We're talking like I'm talking like, you know, you come in to like summer stock where like during the summer the there's a lot of construction that happens. Like people come in for a summer, build, set up shows or take them down and then that's it. And then the summer's over and you go back to school or something. I don't know. Um well, yeah. you also got to remember, Matt, the gig work in terms of there'll be like a show on. And then once that show's over, a lot of people were just hired for that one show. So they're yeah. just like, eh. Yeah. So there isn't like dedicated staff for each theater? Sometimes. Only sometimes. It depends on the theater. So like theater in the park, for example, um, out in uh, Shawnee, they have a designated uh, tech director. And usually they have a designated assistant, but unless that person quits and then you have to fill in. But th those people are usually dedicated. And then when the season starts, you have to go out and be like, okay, we need people for the summer. And then you hire those people. And then once the summer's over, it's like, well, you have nothing to do. Like, what are you going to do? It, it's an outdoor theater. You're not going to put on shows after the summer's over. So. so it sounds like it's it's like seasonal work by design because there's a season where you put on plays and you don't want to have all those people on payroll for yeah. eight months when you're not actually putting on any plays or making any money. Exactly. Uh, or like um, the other kind of work you'll find is um, like you can be on call basically. I don't know how else to put it. There are words for this stuff, but... Uh, my brain is jelly right now, so <laughs> it also doesn't help that you have a video of a cat playing on loop. Why? I thought it'd be good mood setting, right? Okay. We must whatever. become like that cat on the right. Despite the distractions of the world, of the cat going upside down into the box, he is steadfast, he is firm, he is determined, he is in the zone. He knows what he wants, and what he wants is, well... To be upside down in a plastic box. Yeah, apparently. Anyways, um, <laughs> shoot, what was it? Oh, there's basically the um, uh, like load in and uh, strike crews where like a show needs to come down quick. So you just you reach out, you send out emails or text message or whatever. You contact a bunch of people. It's like we need people to help us take this set down. Who's available? And those people come in and is they take it down and then they get paid. And that's it. The, that's a loadout. I've that's, actually I've actually done one of those yeah, before. RC I, knows I, more I, about that than I do. A few months worked at a school here as like one of the permanent guys until I stopped being a permanent guy. But it was also a oh we got work today and it was like twice a week they'd call us in yeah. and do that. 
So like that was permanent. But then we, but for a on job. loadout, we had a Broadway tour of Cabaret. I'm sure all of our microphones picked up my phone going off. We had a Broadway Maybe. tour of Cabaret come into our house. And it was a bit larger than our normal shows, obviously, because it was actually like Broadway. And you know what a house is now. Yes. 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 Okay, so cool. we had <laughs> to, for the loadout, it was uh, three semi-trailers full of equipment that we had to load out in one night. Because, you know, the load in, it was like a couple of days because, you know, but the load out, they had to leave. So we had to hire a union. Uh, I don't remember which one. I would probably call them up. They weren't really that good anyways. But we, we hired a bunch of union guys. They came in. Basically, were extra hands. It's like, hey, we need you guys to come in here and give us some extra hands. They worked for the night. We got done at 4 freaking a.m., but it was great. And, uh, yeah. Those are usually the hours, yeah. Yeah, so that that was – and that was just a loadout. That was one night. So it's, it's like stuff like that. Yeah. And I know that you've talked about this before, whether on uh, the previous – podcast or just in passing when we ever have conversations that it's quite common for 20 hour work days it depends again like i got hired on for a crew that was like scheduled like i had a schedule of like you know this is the time except for there was always one day i can guarantee like oh i don't know how long i'm gonna be working and that was those load-in days where it's like this needs to get done so it doesn't matter how long it takes us it needs to happen and it needs to happen fast so like there was a day where i let's see because my work schedule was 7 a.m to 3 45 and that includes like two breaks and a lunch break but at some point i think there was one Sunday where um, I don't think I left until like six or seven. So, and the, granted, that's that's you know nothing compared to some others, but you know it just it depends on the show. It, it's yeah, it depends on how a theater runs and what they need and whatnot. And of course, people usually get paid and compensated. But and I guess bringing us back to what we were talking about earlier, there is a union. For all of this, right? Yeah, no, there are unions. And those unions, like, granted, I happen to work at a theater that, like, doesn't have any unions involved because technically the theater is also owned by the government. (laughs) Like, it's technically also government-owned, so they can't have unions involved, so it's a whole thing. But most theaters, you have the non-union workers and the union workers, and the way, like... The only real complaint I've heard against unions is uh, sometimes it makes things tediously annoying. Like if, say you're a sound guy and all your boxes are in one spot, but oops, uh, costumes, when they came in, they they happened to place a box on top of yours. Technically, by union rules, you are not allowed to touch their box. So you have to get a costuming person over to take the box off of your box so that you can get to your stuff. But, but those the, are like the technicalities. The, that seems like you're grasping at straws. You're going to complain because couldn't you just go to the costume and say, hey, move your fucking shit? Yeah, no, that's, yeah. Well, yeah, it's just the general complaint of like technically – you can't just move the box yourself to get it out of the way and grab your own yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's like extra steps. You know, like small things, you know. But, like, 
I forgot what were we but talking the, about. The <laughs> what was the point? The, the dance seems like a minor inconvenience when the benefits seem to outweigh that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean. I think you were talking about the only real complaint. Oh yeah, unions. those are the yeah. only the a lot of the complaints against theater unions are small stuff like that, small inconveniences or things that seem a little tedious. Um, but for the most part, you know, like, like I worked at the, I told you I worked at a theater that wasn't union, but we followed some general union practices such as breaks. And I had a, I had a few coworkers who were like, you know, if we just work through the break and get this done, then we can go home sooner. We, we can go home on time. And while yes, we could. I don't know. I was always adamant about like, no, we have the break, take the break. Because once you start giving, where does it end? Granted, sometimes that made me look like lazy, but well, you know, yeah, at the same like, time, it's like, look, these breaks are here for us. Use them. Because yeah, if you stop taking a break, if you do it enough times, then they'll stop giving you your break. Right? Exactly. So yeah, no, I, yeah, so. What was your original question? Well, so is that similar for, like, uh, there's a large performing arts center in Kansas City called the Kaufman Center. Does that have any uh, theater events in it, or is that mainly more uh, musical? <laughs> I think that, that's mostly operas. That would get into, well, yeah, well, no. Isn't that primarily, like, a music venue? Yeah. You, at that point, you start getting into, there are companies that have, you know, like, like event companies that will be hired out. Like, um, I'm trying to think what is, there was a guy who got hired, who worked at a theater and then made connections and now works for a company that puts up, like sets up things for, um, company, uh, what's the words I'm looking for? Uh, events such as like uh, Apple had a big presentation thing. So they hired that company to go set up the lights and stage and stuff. And so it's a little less theater, but it's still general principles of like, well, you need the lights and sound. So those theater people can be hired at that company and have a guaranteed job of, you know, when the company gets hired to do something, it's like, okay, our employees go out there and do the job. So it's like a caterer, but for like, lights and sound yeah basically you know i and and i've done something like that before granted i wasn't i was extra help that was pulled that's the thing a lot of a lot of the jobs i'm used to and that i know a lot of people who are used to it is hey we need somebody who's available come out here you'll get paid that and you know, when you start getting into the older generations and even some of the younger generations, they don't want to do that. <laughs> they don't want to just wait around for somebody to be like, hey, we need help. They want a, sta a stable job. <laughs> they want something they can rely on. And theaters just can't, is not one of those sometimes, depending. So. Now, while also being involved in theater, you're also a uh, educator. How do you educator? How do you see this impacting the future generations of theater people? Honestly, I'm not exactly sure. Like, there's, 
I think in a short in a short term way, I think it's great for those coming in because you know like it's not something like there's a gap there's emptiness that needs to be filled and when you're coming straight into the field brand new like there you go there's openings but it's also tough because a lot of the community is who you know and connections and with less people in it it can be tough to get those like get those connections but if you make them in the right spots like if you find the right people and talk to the right people and say the right things aka like you meet somebody and it's like hey i do theater i majored in set construction you say the right things they'll go oh we need someone here here's my email and stuff like that so i mean yeah i Theater will survive. It always does, no I mean, matter how many times people say it's dying. But this is the first major like plague or epidemic that theater's ever had to face, right? Oh, yeah, the first one ever. It's never had to face any. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it definitely wasn't around when, you know, the blue... I'm not going to say it. The Black Plague. Or <laughs> yes. I think that the movie industry is going to die long before theater does because I think movies are much more easily commodifiable i don't think it's not the movie industry that's going to die it's movie theaters are probably going to become well i i think see i think it's like amc is going to die see i think it's <laughs> if you look at the state of the movie industry though it, it's a lot more commodified right it's like with the whole batgirl just getting it's done it's in post-production it's going to get released canceled because tax write-off, whatever, right? Can you imagine? They got it for a tax write-off? Yeah, $90 million movie, $90 million budget. They canceled it for tax reasons what or something the? like that. Yeah, no, it was completely done. They filmed it. That's it was already done. Dumb. And that's what I mean. Is it's like, Can you imagine, like, say something like, we've already talked about uh, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, them dumping, what, $100 million into a live theatrical performance, renting out a space for 10 you know, weeks, all this stuff. We got the sets made, all that, and then just canceling it because it's like, well, no, of course not. Because I mean, there's a lot more. That's what they should have well, done, what I mean is, there's right? just a, like a lot more physical impetus to people buy tickets, right? Because yeah. with well, streaming, it's a lot more easy to commodify the product of movies versus theater because yeah. theater is always an in person process, well, right? Yeah, no. I mean, it's a lot like, you know, concert. CDs and YouTube and um, like radio and whatnot, Spotify, none of that kills concerts, right? Yeah. Concerts are still a thing because it's a whole experience going yeah. out and being like watching your favorite artists live. And I, I think that's the nail on the head right there is experience. Yeah. With theater, you're not paying to watch a performance. You're paying for the experience of going to theater, right? Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, you go to see a new, like, you know, it's like, oh, I've never seen Zombie Prom before. But sometimes it's, well, I've seen, um, what is it, Spongebob. I've seen the Broadway version that was streamed on Paramount? I don't know. But, you know, it's still something where it's like, well, I still want to see it live. Yeah, because it's a different experience, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, the movies, movies in a movie theater... Unless you're seeing it in IMAX, it's well, harder to justify. Yeah, because by design, it's like a recording. 
yeah. you know, every single time you watch Top Gun Maverick, it's going to be the exact same movie. Whereas every time you go to a theater, yeah. maybe maybe SpongeBob forgets his line and says, "Oh shit!" Like you know, <laughs> you know, well maybe that would, that would be hysterical. Like one time, well, I I went oh. to a showing of Wizard of Oz one time, and it was the the witch was deciding what she was going to do to Dorothy, right? Ooh, maybe I'll like hunt them down or whatever with all the little like monkeys, you know, what are the flying monkeys? Yeah, flying monkeys. And one of the flying monkeys who is like the lead guy who's mic'd up was drunk and he said, and he said, and I'm quoting, he said, Jesus Christ, lady, will you make up your damn mind? <laughs> and everybody laughed. But that's what I mean. There's not going to be a showing of Top Gun where Tom Cruise says like something like that. Like that happened. I was 11. <laughs> oh it my happened. Oh god, that's awesome. It was at Theater in the Park. Yeah, that's I don't know. Way better than what I was going to say. Yeah. Screw that. And that's what it means. It's just like theaters and experience. You get the actor showing up drunk to a showing, and just like yelling like that. I thought it was part of the show because I don't think I had seen it before. <laughs> They're like, yeah, no, that was not part of the show. Oh, god. But it was part of the show because it happened. Oh, God, that's great. Yeah, no. That's my theater story. God, I don't have anything close to that. Yeah, I don't think I've ever told either of you that, too. Even if you have, I don't remember it, and that makes it even better. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, in the defense of film. Yeah. Is there any defense of film? Well, I mean, I... If, if, if film can offer, uh, because the way the cameras are made, a different perspective, and you can use uh, a camera is a tool that can also be helpful with story crafting. Well, I think I think that's the key right there is the perspective because yeah. the, the the director of the movie can control exactly what the audience sees, whereas mm-hmm. the theater director, I can look. And if I'm at like the very far, you know, house right, I can look stage left and see, or stage right yeah. and see into the wings and see the actors yeah. like maybe put her in costume. Yeah, I mean they can. So, so the director is able to of the movie is able to you know completely control the perspective, which is yeah. probably the value is you can have exactly your vision on the screen, right? That's that's why I don't I don't love the musical like stage musical to movie adaptation cycle. Like it you can don't be like good. cats. But Hey, Miz was pretty good, um, right? Because, uh, um, okay. Like, I feel like it does best when it takes what's good about the musical and applies what film does best, like some of the strengths of film, and doesn't try to mess with the things the musical does best, you know? Like the music. Yeah, it's kind of. Like Don't what, mess with the music. It's fine as it is. Anyways. So you mean like like being able to bring like 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 movies are a lot more easily able to bring like visual effects and stuff, right? Is that what you're kind of getting at? Well, also like, you know, camera angles and the way they can do shots and edit things together, you know, like oh, there yeah, are so just there's just certain things that like film can do that theater can't. That it's like, do that when adapting a musical. Don't try to mess with the music. Like, mm. yeah, anyways. Like, again, I wish we got animated cats. Like, well, animated you did get cats. animated cats. No, it, it, stop. It, it, it's called Aristocats. Uh, no, no. Did, did you see the drawings for what was originally pitched as 
an animated version of Cats by, who was it by? Who did the drawings? Do you remember? I'm going to say Gennady Tartakovsky, but I know that, that's not right. That's not. I, that's not I don't right. know how I would know. <laughs> I don't know. Cronenberg? Uh, I might yeah, have David to look Cronenberg. It up. But yeah, no, like there was just, there were sketches for an animated movie of Cats and it looked really good and it would have been able to do things with the musical that you can't do on See, stage. See, now we're getting into the animation versus live action argument too. I remember seeing the 70 millimeter version of The Hateful Eight with I'm, you. Yeah, we saw that Christmas, Christmas Eve, right? Yes. Or New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. Uh, and there was an intermission, and I feel like they need to bring back intermissions to films because that really allowed a uh, refreshing yeah. thing. Also, we saw a drunk driver drive the wrong side down the road. Yeah, just straight awesome. up like towards uh, it was us. Steven Spielberg. Huh. That's what it was. Steven Spielberg uh, drew out like things for uh, for our audio only listeners. Um, it's I haven't actually. She hasn't shown it to me yet. What is it? I don't know. I mean. It here. is Steven Spielberg, by the way, in case she was too far away oh. from the mic. Shoot. You dropped your phone. Sorry, uh, I realized that I move away from the mic here and there. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's I like think I've shown you this. Just stylized. Yeah, no, but it's like, you know, it's you're not restricted with the human body. I think that The Hateful Eight was a decent movie, but the 70 millimeter aspect really kind of raised the bar, even though it looked like a regular movie. Yeah. And I didn't really get it, but I have some film friends that would probably eat me alive for being like 70 millimeter isn't like perfect. It, I never get the whole film versus digital argument because it's like, well, it's more authentic because it's like a worse format because there's imperfections. And it's that like, that sounds like the people who argue for, yeah, no, you need to play your old games on a, uh, what's the older TV? Like a the, CRT. Yeah. Well, I, I get that. CRT instead of your. I get OLED. that because a lot of the old pixel art was designed for a CRT in mind, so it uses yeah. the blurring of the pixels of the CRT to kind of make the pixel image look better. But yeah, in terms but... of film, I'm not a film like movie guy. <laughs> but to me, the film, it's just like you're getting like the graininess of the fact that it's like not digital. But I don't want. I, I guess I just don't understand how that adds to the movie at all, other than it looking slightly worse. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's just like like there's some flickering <laughs> effects on the bottom of it. It's just like wow, I really feel like I'm watching a movie, and I didn't get that when I was watching Top Gun Maverick. I didn't feel like I was watching a movie at all because yeah. it was so perfect. It was like wow, I feel like I'm in the fighter jet blowing up. A, uh, was it that was Iranian, right? I I have no idea. They <laughs> they didn't mention a country. They didn't on purpose. Mm. Wonder why we're fighting fifth generation fighter jets, and we gotta blow up their nuclear facilities. Um, yeah, totally <laughs> not Iran or someone. Anyways, um, to all of our film listeners out there, a uh, why are you listening to a audio only? What? Hey, you get me down. <laughs> you get me down. Why are you listening to an audio-only format of film is so superior? Send in your complaints and tell uh, tell us how uh, wrong all these takes are at get, the get, get, email get, for this podcast. What's the email? Uh, it's Cleo History Podcast at gmail dot com. Even yeah. better, send all your complaints there. <laughs> Even better, get a forty-five millimeter camera and film yourself shoving whatever note you want to write us no, <laughs> no. no. 
Could okay. you imagine if you ended up with an inbox full of emails? I can imagine it'd be really annoying because I don't res- I shouldn't say that because I actually I, I like a lot of my film friends. So I don't want to be too mean. <laughs> I don't think e- any of them listen to this though, so we're good because Look, if you had an inbox full of emails, you'd have to do an episode where you just read the emails, right? Well, yeah, probably. We did get an email from I believe uh, Mamar Gaddafi's widow. Really? Oh. Really? <laughs> yeah. No. Did I show you this? Yeah. No. We got, we got oh an God, email yeah. from Mamar Gaddafi's widow asking us for money. Yeah. Uh, where is it? Well, this one's not it. Emerald Johnson. Man, where is it? It was a uh, hello. I am the late uh, wife of Mamar Gaddafi. Where is it? Oh man, it's just Emerald Johansson. I can't find it. I think it oh, got auto deleted. But yeah, we got we, we got an email. Spam. It was just the regular Nigerian prince email spam where it's like I need you to give me three grand so I can get that sixteen grand. But they were using like Mamar Gaddafi, and it's just like what. We, we've moved up in the world. Rest in peace, Moonmar Gaddafi. Yeah. You were sodomized by a bunch of items. Yeah, he did not go out very well. Have you ever have you ever heard about that? I don't know what you guys are talking about. He was the dictator of Libya who was based and didn't want... Uh, he, he was Switzerland? Yeah, he, he, he in like 2006, he advocated for in front of the entire United Nations for the dissolution of Switzerland because they arrested his son because his son beat the shit out of a hotel staff worker. <laughs> We could be the we could be the okay. more Gaddafi fun fact uh, podcast right now. Uh, Moonmar Gaddafi fact number two: He never promoted himself up to the, higher than the rank of colonel because he thought that that would be illegitimate. Moonmar Gaddafi fact three: He lost the war to Chad, the, even though he had like an air force. An air force. What was the one about like like he sent like fighter jets over the Mediterranean to like trail something or something like that. I do not know. Uh, Moonmar Gaddafi fact number four. Uh, he gave RPGs to the IRA. <laughs> like the, like the Republican army. Yeah. The Irish Republican army. Oh God. Uh, the, the provisional uh, Republican army. Irish Republican army. Going the all the way back to when we were talking about smart cars. Uh, did you know if you put like a ring, a uh, like solid ring of salt around a smart car it'll be stuck that's because they're demonic well it's also because they'll detect the solid line and go i can't pass <laughs> did you know that i haven't tested this i want to test this what we need to do is we need to print out a stop sign on a piece of paper and then just hold it up when we see a tesla drive by i'm convinced they'll stop i don't think they can tell the difference between a guy holding up a piece of paper and an actual stop sign if it's big enough the car can't tell yeah because they detected the moon as a yellow light and slowed down <laughs> it was like, yeah no it was a video someone t- it was a oh, yellow stoplight because they had it on like autopilot i'm convinced if a tesla drives by on autopilot and you hold up a stop sign it, I, I'm convinced it'll stop because I don't think their software is smart enough to tell the difference. I'm willing so to bet if you hold up a big enough red dot, it'll stop. Okay, <laughs> I'm not advocating for crimes, but if you happen to own I mean, a firearm... is it a crime, though? If, no, no, if you happen to own a firearm what? and live in an area with a lot of Teslas and you ever want to... <laughs> No, stop. Stop talking. You can get him to stop really easily. No, stop talking. Stop talking. (laughs) All you have to do. This is coming from the man who wants to be a lawyer someday. (laughs) I'm not advocating for anybody to do any action. So stop talking. I'm just simply presenting a thought experiment. (laughs) 
Anyway. I think it's incredible that they get to differentiate the brake lights from the red lights. You know? They're able to do that? I They have to, right? Do they? Cause, cause, well, because they don't come to a stop, like, panicked every time somebody, like, taps the brake in mm. front of them. I think somehow they've managed to do that. And yeah. I think it's only because they can tell, like, there's a car or something. But it's, like, the same software that's, like, murdering... That, that would murder a child if they walked out in front. You, you know, speaking of cars, it, it's kind of confusing. Why does Carvana, the uh, American car company that sells used cars... They're not uh, really a car company, are they? They're, they're a car... Middle used man. car retailer <laughs> who sells used cars over the internet in the United States in which they'll basically like offer you money for your car and then pick it up and deliver your new car you just bought for them. Yeah. Uh, and they're mainly online, but why did they spend all their all this money building these massive like just metal and glass towers to oh, build the vending machines? Yeah, yeah because they built old marketing. They, they built a gigantic <laughs> building which is a car vending machine which is a bunch of cars on lifts. That works like a little vending machine. So you go in there and you can put a little token into the thing and then it'll lower your car down to you, which is a fun novelty. But I feel like that's a big waste of money when 90% of the people are just going to buy your car from you off of your website. Why has mankind ever done anything, Matt? Again, it's called marketing. Why did we go to the moon? Um, why did we sail across the okay, Atlantic? But there are reasons for that. Um, why did why did we anyways, invent uh, the... No marketing is bad marketing. You ever heard that one? It's, it has two meanings. <laughs> I'm going to look it up. Um, I, bet, I bet there's a weird story behind anyways, the car vending machines. While he's looking that up, speaking of cars, uh, it's really funny. Uh, my... Who was... Who... In my family, we went to a family reunion. My sister and her friends, they're all engineers, or they're all going to school for engineering. Yeah. None of them are going for, like, mechanical engineering, mind you, like the car one. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, one of my relatives somehow accidentally put their um, car into, like, Celsius metric system or something. And, yeah, they just immediately turned to the four of them and were like, fix it. You're engineer. <laughs> well, my, my dad, had, his car has an option where you can also change that, but that's simply just pressing the settings button and going to general display oh, yeah. and they then switching like it. Oh, yeah, they were, like, flipping through the manual trying to figure out how they did this. It's like, how did you do this? And they're like, I don't know. Granted, this was the same family reunion where I, I think my aunt accidentally hit the, like, emergency call button on her phone or something. Like, it, like, immediately calls the police. It's one of those old people features where it's like, oh, no, I've fallen and I can't get up type of thing. Okay, I figured it out. Yeah. The reason they do the car vending machines is because they don't, they're an online-only website. Yeah. Right. So they don't really have any physical locations other than, like, a lot. So they figured, okay, well, we're not going to open up, like, we're, we're going to sell you your car online, but we don't want to just have it be, okay, here's your flat by whatever. We want to be tech, right? We're cooler than that. We got a billion-dollar capital venture money. They, they were founded in 2012. In 2013, they opened up 13 or 32 car vending machine locations immediately. And it's because they want to have that cool venture capitalist. Ooh, it's a vending machine. Look, it's descending from the heavens, your car. That's in, why. It's it's okay. entirely just a 
oh crap we can't like have you test drive it first so uh, uh when you buy it it's cool that's it okay so instead of just having all the cars in like a massive parking lot in like tempe arizona yeah and, and they just like put it on one of those like stupid like carvana delivery cars yeah it, it, it's just slightly cool it, it makes it feel like you're not actually buying a car you're buying experience they also give you a giant commemorative coin that you put in the machine and don't get a keep what if you just like with the handed you the coin you just didn't put it in the machine well i mean you you give them their money first so you you would just be spending the amount of money yeah, you'd, you'd spend, spend on a car yeah, 30 grand on a commemorative car. coin and they get to keep the car <laughs> yeah, what would happen if you bought a car you own the car but you just left it in the vending machine i mean surely they could get it out but it's like hey that's my car don't touch it <laughs> it's like, sir, it's in a, if I was a billionaire, I would buy every single car in a vending machine and then just be like, yeah, don't move them. They're my car. <laughs> just, just own one of those. <laughs> Can they get a tow truck in there? Can you imagine an individual person being like, yes, this is, instead of storing my cars in a garage, I store it in this giant vending machine. Yeah, I just sell my car to Carbot every day. <laughs> they pick it up, they take it to the vending machine, and then the next morning I buy it back <laughs> and drive to work so I don't have to pay 50 dollars a month for parking <laughs> i just make carvana hemorrhage money shipping a car back and forth 30 feet it, 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 it's like movie pass for cars it's like it's like that guy who used gamestop i'm sure it's fake from like the green text who used gamestop as a bank he pre-ordered like 70 copies of a game right and then when he needed to withdraw it he just cancel the pre-orders and get his money back (laughs) (laughs) so he was just like yeah i've got five he just had to remember to cancel the pre-orders before the game came out (laughs) he had like 600 copies in his entire life savings would be gone (laughs) and he's like yeah no actually they uh they cost a dollar to pre-order so they're like you know drafting fees are way cheaper than like the bank in my area you know and it's like free cancellation just use a credit union God. But it has union in it, Kelly, and unions are scary. When you can just use GameStop. Yeah, GameStop. GameStop's <laughs> a family business. <laughs> I you know, okay, if if I was if I had Jeff Bezos money, I wouldn't be like I of course I say this not having Jeff Bezos money. I wouldn't be evil and like, you know, I'm gonna buy a Roomba. I would just like do stupid shit like You you would have spite money. Yeah, no, exactly. I would just be like I'm just going to bankrupt Carvana by just using them as like a personal taxi service on their dime because they offer <laughs> the tow- the trucks and all that is free. You don't have to pay for it. So I'm just going to be like, yeah, sure. Yeah, whatever. You can just move my car around for free. <laughs> I mean, I'm paying the same, you know, I'm paying the same amount of money. Also, every time I buy the car, I'm putting miles on it. So, uh, well, they're going to like obviously raise the price on your car. Well, it loses value though. It, eventually, they could figure out a loophole to not sell you the car. What if I? S- I yeah. And anyway, uh, that's probably it for us. Right? Yeah, we've done. About, yeah. We, we've done our due diligence. This was about a lot of stuff, but uh, it was mostly about cars and theater, and that's it. Yeah, and, and everyone's two favorite things—the things that have massive overlaps: car guys and theater people. Yeah, and welcome yeah. to Clio Talk, our podcast about. Whatever we want to talk about. Yeah, this is yeah. literally what you get, guys. Okay, if you've made it this far, this is it. Yeah. It, Anyways, we, we just, email your uh, topic suggestion suggestions at 
What's the email uh, again? Cleohistorypodcast at gmail.com. Anyway, yeah, th- 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 this has been uh, Cleo Talk. I've been Matt. I've been RC. And I've been Kelly. Our special guest for this episode Woo. is Kelly. Look, yes. guys, this is it. Follow us on Twitter at Cleo History. We'll, it, look, okay, if you guys like the history episodes, we can make more history episodes. We just personally kind of like doing these because obviously they're a lot less effort and obviously we have a lot of fun doing them. So. Yes. We're going to keep making these for the time being because we're enjoying it. And Honestly, this podcast. these are higher quality than the. No, that's very mean. That's these very mean. Never mind. That's really mean of me. All right. Good, fun. Good, so good night, everyone. everyone. Good night. <laughs> Bye.